0: Logical progression, year one, lesson seventeen.
1: Ismilla so, Rahim Hamdilah uh, Rabbil Alameen. Allah Hussein was selling Mubarakanabina Mohammed while Ali was happy. Allah Sahla, Ilamaja Allahumma Aina, Rahmatullah, they said to me that there's a Um, a a full moon outside the problem is the problem is that the full moon in Arabic is known as a what? what do they call it? Uh, who's that one over there at the back there? they call the full moon the Badr isn't it? yep and in our, in our history, when it comes to the most famous, if you like, full moons, and or certainly the most famous badr, and the one that has song about it and nice nasheed and so on, then that was a, about a badr which was a human badr. Isn't it? The best of all the badrs was? Rasulullah When he did what? When he did the hijrah from? Makkah al mukarrama to his true home. Isn't it? So if someone comes from Makkah to his home in Manchester, right, is it not fair to call him a badr, isn't it? Huh? If he's like a special, if he's like a full moon and he shines like a full moon, huh? shouldn't we sing for him Tal'ah al alayna? Min al-wada' This is khair This is the only real badr that we have Shikihlan from Mecca, he has joined us again. The only badr that's worth talking about. Hafidhahullah <laughs> Ta'ala wa ra'ah yeah, Allahumma Ameen. Shania than a true badr, more beautiful than a true badr.
0: Allahumma Ameen, coming from Makkah as well. Bismillah, <laughs> assalamu wa I said, as uh, uh, the 70- Prophet of to say, Allahumma Allahumma aj'alni khairun ma'yadhnun wa'gifirli ma'la ya'lamun wa'la t'wakhidni ma'yakulun Allahumma ya Allah forgive us Allahumma gifirli ma'la ya'lamun May Allah forgive us from things that they don't know and don't punish us because of what they said and let me let us be better than what they think bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah alhamdu li allahi wa nasta'inu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina may yahdihi Allah fala mudilla lahu wa may yudlil fala hadiya lahu wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu I thought I will uh, share with you a hadith which is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim, a very famous hadith when Muhammad wasallam was distributing the war booties for one of the battles and he gave a, some influential people, figures at that time, a lot of money. A man came to the messenger Wasallam. he seemed like a very practicing man Thick, long beard. Uh, his forehead was out. His eye, eyes was <coughs> inside. Sunking. And uh, he said to Muhammad wasallam, Fear Allah. You are not fair. Or this is not a fair qismah. Uh, Division. Muhammad was shocked from the statement of this man. And he said to him, Who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if I am not? And he also said, May Allah be merciful to Musa. He was hurt more than that and he was patient. And then the companion around Muhammad, وسلم, one of them he said, وسلم, let me kill him. Muhammad said no. And then he left. And when he left, Muhammad looked at him, and he said, "From this kind of people, there will be there will, uh, a group of people will come out. Young people. Uh, they are not very wise, foolish. Uh, when you they talk, that you listen to them." Uh, they read the Qur'an more than you, and they pass more than you, and they pray more than you But they leave Islam like the arrow leaves the target If I see them, or if, I, if I'm there when they are, like, when they come out I will kill them like the killing of Ad and Thamud This is the hadith <coughs> that I want to share with you Of course this hadith has a, has a lot of rulings But one important aspect that came to my mind uh, this man when he came to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi and he looked at his, the way he distributed things he said this is unfair and this is uh, unjust quickly he gave his decision and he left his you know, big statement and he left and of course you know, what he said is something which is for a believer is something which is kufr because he was you know, in a way saying that Muhammad he has he was unfair and he deliberately gave some people more than he gave, other, gave give others and this is yani, not acceptable by a normal person even if from a man from the street, he will not give people more than he give the others. Now the picture or the image of this, what Muhammad has done for a lot of people might feel might, might seem strange but Muhammad sallallahu was doing what he did for a reason. And the quran also gave us some lessons. One of the famous lessons, of course, the story of Musa alayhi and Al-Khazr. Musa السلام, was a prophet. And he was accompanied Al-Khazr alayhi salam. al of course, he was a, some scholars said, prophet. And some of them said he was a scholar. When he went with him, we know the story, all of us, we know the story. First of all, he damaged the ship and Musa السلام, he said why did you damage the ship this is unfair and then he went and he killed a young boy and he said why did you kill him this is unfair and then he after that he went and he fixed the wall and Musa said why did you fix it this is unfair they didn't feed us these people but when you look at the at Musa at the action of Musa, السلام, he thought that is unfair. the Al Khadr he said unfair. But then Al Khadr he explained to him the situation. And we of course understood the reason behind it and we understood the reason. We uh, we acknowledged the knowledge and the wisdom of Al Qadr This is very important for us because sometimes p two people might do the same thing and one of them will be rewarded and the other one will be uh, sinful same action, same way like for example we have a lot of people nowadays rulers in different parts of the world they give in the same way they give for example those who follow them or uh, support (coughs) them millions and they give the other people nothing and this is unfair now the uh, the difference between the giving of these people maybe in the image or the picture of their giving with Muhammad they are the same but the intention behind it is, or the reason behind it is so different these people they give to enhance the emp- their power and to maintain their authority and to bring more people towards them and to rule the country with their own way but when Muhammad him, gave, he know that these people when they became Muslim then their fellows will become Muslim, and many people will become Muslim and will be saved. So the image of the action is the same, but the difference is in the intention and the reasons. And this is, of course, if we can say that this is applicable to any part of our religion. We are faced nowadays with so many questions. Can I become a taxi driver? Can I become a policeman? Can I become a teacher? Can I become a doctor? Can I become a pharmacist? So many things. And of course, you can see two people, they are doing the same job, and one of them is a great man, and one of them is sinful. Uh, it depends on the uh, intention of a person, and the way he conducts his actions. For example, we know the story of Yusuf alayhi Yusuf alayhis uh, was in Egypt, and Egypt at that time was ruled by non-Muslim government. And he became a minister in that government. And of course, when you are a minister in the government, you will be invited to the occasions. you will be attended the meetings of the king, and you will do a lot of work with them. Support them, help them, attend their gathering. Uh, maybe a lot of people will say, How can Musa Yusuf be employed by a non Muslim government or organization? organization? And many people will say, Well, since Musa Yusuf has done what he did, then it's lawful for everyone to do the same. And he will go and drink. He will go and abuse the power and he will abuse his authority. But the difference between them that Musa, Yusuf, when when he did what he did, for a reason. He wants to call the people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants to be in a sensitive position so he will become an influential figure, not for his own benefit, but for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The image may be the same, but there is a lot of difference between the uh, action of Yusuf salam and the action of so many people they become powerful but for their own benefit not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in summary if, if we want to summarize all our religion, Islam we can say that the, the issues that we are facing can be divided into three one of them issues that uh, uh, Murat we have been commanded to do and some of them issues that have included some prohibitions, haram, and some issues that actually they have both. And from, if you look at it from one side, we have some more, and if you look at from the other side, there are some prohibitions. Especially when we live in non-Muslim countries, we, will, we are faced with a lot of things in the third one, third category. And also we can classify the people who deal with them into three. One of them who do what he did sincerely, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the other person, no, he did what he did, not for the sake of Allah, for his own benefit. And there is also a person who is in the middle, sometime for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and sometime for his own uh, sake. So from that, we can find, we can categorize these people into nine categories, according to these three levels or issues, and three different people that have, uh, they, that they deal, they deal with these kind of issues. Like for example, Muhammad said, the first people who will go to Jahannam, a scholar and then a mujahid and then a person who gives charity. You expect those people to be immune from the hellfire. How come a person who is a scholar, teaching people all the time, pretend to be a pious person, he will be the first person to go to Jahannam? It's amazing. Or a person who is very generous and he gave millions to the, say, for the sake of Allah, so he'll go to Jahannam. Or the person who, did, who do jihad, he went to the battlefield and he makes jihad and he will go to Jahannam. Muhammad said they will go to Jahannam because their intention not for the sake of Allah. A scholar, he was sent to Jahannam because his intention was not purely for the sake of Allah. He want to be seen as a scholar, respected, have a position in the society. People say to him, you are a sheikh, you are a imam respected but he was not doing what he did for the sake of Allah he will be to jahannam go to jihad and the person who is doing jihad mujahid so the people say well he's very brave and the other person also who give a lot of money he didn't give it for the sake of Allah but his own benefit we have a hadith from Muhammad once he was in the, one of the battle and uh, he had a servant helping him and an arrow uh, what they call Gharib uh, Gharib came and killed that servant while he was helping Muhammad the companion said what a great man this man he was the companion he was with Muhammad he was helping him he was supporting him and Muhammad وسلم, said by, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is in Jahannam he has stolen a, a garment like a coat from the booties and that booty was in the share of all the Muslims. He was not sincere. And he, would, and he took something which is not for, is not his. Muhammad وسلم, said he is in Jahannam. And I think this is very important for us to understand these kind of things. I personally believe, like for example, nowadays you see a lot of news in the news. For example, a doctor, for example, has come to the crime. He's a doctor. People trust him. But instead of becoming a sincere doctor, he abused his his work, or a teacher, for example. he's is teaching not for to teach uh, uh, for uh, a good reason, but for a bad reason. All these people, although they are the same, but there is a major difference between their actions. And all depend on the intention and the reasons behind it. And that's why we cannot give uh, an answer. People said, can I work in a bank? Can I work in the police? Can I work in an university? Can I work whatever? It depends on the reasons and the intention. And I think all these things are summarized by one ayah from the Quran which is an amazing ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said two people all the people can be divided into two bar and fajr a bar is a person who is good who will do what he does for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for good reasons he will go to, uh, to, to the Jannah Wherever he will throw him wherever he will go, he will be a good person and he will have a good fruit. If you go to the parliament, if you go to the become a minister, if you become a king or whatever, another person, Al Fajr, is the one who has bad intention and wrong reasons, he will go to Jahannam because he is Fajr. And that's why the criteria is what is your intention and what are your reasons? If they are valid, good then it's okay. We said I think before many times, on different occasions, that people might have do the same action. But the person might, who do the, this action might be a kafir, or might be a major sinner, or might be a minor sinner, or might be a person who is excused, or maybe he will be rewarded. For example, if he did what he did deliberately and did haram, and he said, I don't believe in that in Islam, this is kufr. Or he knows it's haram, but he do it... Uh, he do it yeah, intentionally, and he knows it's a major sin, it is a major sin. Or if he, for example, doesn't know, and he, or he didn't spare a lot of time, then it's a minor sin. Or if he doesn't know or forget, he will be yeah, not sinful. If he tried his best and he didn't reach a conclusion, then maybe he will be rewarded, as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned. What I want to say, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us these stories... And there is, even Musa, a.s., couldn't understand the reasons, or this man, he couldn't understand why Muhammad, a.s. gave what he gave. We shouldn't jump into conclusion. Whenever we face with, a, with, with something that from a scholar or a student of knowledge that we, we don't understand, we, we can't understand it, then ask him, what is your reason? What are your reasons? If they are valid reasons, and we saw from his background that he has good intention, then we should... Uh, understand yeah, him in the positive way and in general if a Muslim is good and sincere then leave him wherever he go and he will be, inshallah he, he will show his foot as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said المسلم حيثو مل كالغيت حيثو a believer is like rain wherever it goes it will benefit people قول قولي هذا واسطاك بالله لي ولكم وزاكم الله Relax, sheik I'm relaxed.
1: Okay, then. Are there any questions uh, on, on what the Sheikh just said? Because clearly it's a very interesting topic. sheik I'll, I'll start by saying what do you think are the limits with respect to what can be done regardless of intention? Because, of course, um, recently whilst you've been away, um, this principle has been misused by uh, those who, for example, um, might vote in favour of, of homosexual marriages and things like this. Um, what would your what would your principles be with respect to? Um,
0: no, I, I think we said clearly the things which are clearly haram. That's outside the equation. There is no intention behind it. I cannot say, for example, I approve the this great sin and they have good intention we said the, t- the good intention which is a mixture look at one side you have good look at the side that is bad so it has two things these are the middle way the middle the, 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 the issues we can say depend on the intention and the reasons Allah as for the haram things there is no intention cannot say no I will steal I have good intention I will kill I have good intention no I commit major sin I have good intention Allah
1: Share with us, Sheikh, the last poem you wrote in isolation.
0: <laughs> no, this is for my own personal. <laughs>
1: the, no, the one that you sent around to everyone. At least share us, share us with uh, a few lines from that one at least.
0: Which one reminded you of Oh, how many, Sheikh? You're sending day and night. What was the
1: subject? Uh, to be honest, Sheikh, I'm not opening them anymore, to be honest. Okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: no, they are in Arabic and I don't think you'll enjoy them. A couple of lines, Sheikh. They need some poetry. Uh, <coughs> remind me what was the Caucasian because I wrote poetry poem all the time. I don't know.
1: <laughs> which which
0: one of us do you want us to remind? You know the ones that you wrote against. <coughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I can't remember now. Some shall next time. Tell us something romantic, besjer. <laughs> yeah,
1: we are missing romance. Sheikh is cold and it's freezing, and love has disappeared. Sheikh.
0: Okay. What I said in one occasion. Uh, actually, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot this. Inshallah, some other occasion we these are personal things. <laughs> oh i tried right.
1: i tried to black I'm it i not it work i Okay then. Back to Fek. rahim Okay, then let's uh, uh let's see. Right, where exactly were we? You know what the funny thing is that I said last week that from now on I'm going to mark where I finish and I forgot to mark where we finished. <laughs> Page sir?
0: Eighty
1: nine. Eighty one. Page eighty
0: one. Eighty two.
1: 82. So I think we've finished everything to do with um, yeah, yeah. gold and silver, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, I think that definitely we finished everything to do gold and silver. Mm-hmm. We did the text in gold and silver. Also, Nabi, Allah, uh, pass me the uh, text, English text. I need to read from it. Um, yeah, here, yeah, The um, the uh, what's it called? The uh, um, we did the text from the book with respect to gold and silver, implements and all the rest of it. And then we also then did some random stuff, right? We just covered a couple of principles and discussed some issues. And then a few other matters uh, Bob's brought to my attention. So uh, the first one was... Um, if you already have gold um, and silver implements, what do you do with them? And if you remember what we said... Is that what's impermissible is to eat with them? So to sell them, okay, would be permissible, and um, the or to get them melted down or to get them changed or to donate them to somewhere else or whatever. And uh, you remember that I said to you that um, uh, obviously I have my opinion, and it is a it is a difficult issue. The issue concerning whether it is permissible to give haram things to non-Muslims for whom it is halal, quote unquote, right? Whether they have to live by our sharia. And that is a, as I said last week, a debatable issue. Who can summarise what me what I said last week? Anyone? It to your yeah. But what about you know, post evidences and post discussions and so on? Anyway, the point is is that like I said, there are many ulema that consider the non-Muslims, to be الفرور, that they al-furu'ah, that they are held accountable even for the manutrii, the, 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 the secondary matters in religion. And if that's the case, primary matters meaning they have to become Muslim, of course everyone is held accountable for. Our, our abode, our Jannah and Jahannam, is based upon this choice. And if we reject that, and we are held accountable upon Tawheed, if we don't accept Tawheed, then we lose out forever and ever. But whether I should be drinking alcohol as a non Muslim when, as a Christian, I'm allowed to drink it or not, is much more controversial. It's actually a lot more deeper than obviously what I can display now, because uh, even we know that the Prophet allowed the Jews to rule by their own people and their own law, okay, um, in, in certain circumstances. And the Quran even supports that as a principle, right? Um, now, then we can then differentiate that maybe for the people of the book and and certain uh, uh, minorities who are under our control, if we allow them, then this can be done. This is possible as well, but then this enters into a much more detailed uh, uh, chapter of fiqh, which is the ruler's discretion. The ruler does have the discretion to do a number of things. Okay, uh, you know, some minor with respect to not maybe doing a had against someone. Um, in an area where it's not very, very clear, prescribed punishment, and instead imposing a financial punishment because the crime is not of the same level as the prescribed punishment per se. Or, for example, um, uh, as Sayyidina Umar did, he uh, suspended the had for um, uh, stealing because, obviously, there was a a drought and so on. So, uh, I mean, there are a number of examples that one can uh, use where certain rules would be rec- not rescinded but suspended um, if there was a reason in any case if you had something like this the best of course is to just get rid of it, or, get it melt- or melt it down and use it somewhere else and so on and so forth and I think the other thing was is where if, the, cooking. Where if the cooking material is out of gold and silver the, the, then again it should not be used because we consider awani all right, as this all encompassing term that's including everything <laughs> from cutlery to saucers and teapots and cups and all the rest of it. Okay? What
0: about gold leaf? Eating. Is
1: that real gold or what? Yeah, you know, um, gold leaf. I wrote something about that because someone asked, what about gold leaf? I said, what oh, the hell is gold leaf? <laughs> huh? I don't know. Well, you know what it is? I, I mean, I, I don't even know if it's true. They said gold leaf is that, you know when you see on madai you see that gold stuff on top? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And on silver? I don't think they do it here in the UK. And, Bal- and Bala doesn't come with that, Bala Bukwas, is it? No. But that cheap Indian stuff, that comes with it, isn't it? You see that gold stuff on it. Anyway, someone said that that's real gold. So I said, like, I don't know, i would have to look at that. And then I wrote it down, up. I went and looked at what is it. And, um, yeah, I mean, apparently, and I've written it, and I have written it here, that it does have some kind of percentage of gold. Now, if it has some kind, I mean, it looks like it's gold, and it does have real gold in it, apparently, I mean, you know, what else is there left to to say about that? Yeah, they eat it, yeah, I don't know why they eat it. Yeah. Packs are crazy like that in here, man. No,
0: you, 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 you not use it in
1: the, English use know? it for what? In the desert. Don't be this in the guaray, man. They've got some dessert man. We're not us packs, not, we man. Not We're we use...
0: My, we much dessert.
1: Master Chef, mm. only you're the only person that I know, Shazad Salim. Yes. in the whole planet who watches Master Chef. <laughs> Honestly, Master Chef, like we've got time for Master Chef, right? So anyway, I think, uh, in my opinion, gold leaf and gold, whatever that stuff is on the top of this matay, it should be avoided. Yep, it should be avoided because there's doubt over that. Yep, there's doubt. All right then. So, and then I guess uh, with respect to the text, then I think we're on page. Um, yes, page four. Uh about Anit al Kufar? What about Anit al Kufar? What about the implements of non Muslims are lawful to use. So now we're moving now from golden. No, 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 no. no, no, no. we're
0: no, yeah, totally. No, 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 that, that's coming
1: afterwards. That's coming afterwards. Tanning is mm-hmm. afterwards. Tanning oh, is yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So page 4 of the notes, yeah? So the implements of non-Muslims are lawful to use, even if their slaughtered meat is unlawful. It is also lawful to use their clothing, if their clothing is not known to be filthy. Okay? So, what we've been doing so far is discussing the implements of Muslims and non-Muslims, but gold and silver, that's been the key, right? Gold and silver. Now, we're now not talking about now gold and silver anymore. We're now talking about anything which is owned by non-Muslims. Now, just as a quick, brief introduction to, the, to this uh, subsection. The issue is what? What is the issue, do you think? Why, why, is, this, why, why is this under discussion? Why would we discuss non-Muslim um, um, uh, uh, implements? Because what, sorry? They eat haram with it. So the issue is one of cleanliness. That's the point, okay? The issue is one of najasa. That's, the, that's what the whole discussion is surrounding, effectively, okay? So, and the, the, the first thing that we need to start off with is to explain what does it mean um, the implements of non-Muslims are lawful to use even if their slaughtered meat is unlawful. Does anyone want to have a go at what explain what that means? Well, what is the author trying to indicate by that statement? Meaning what, sorry?
0: <coughs>
1: Correct. So therefore, what exactly. So what is therefore the conclusion? Is it referring just to those people? No, to Dubai, the people well, Correct. That's exactly the right answer. That the reason the mu'allif, the author, has included that little statement, وَلَوْ lam Even if their slaughtered meat is unlawful, is to use the word non-Muslims in its widest sense. Because we already know that it is permissible to eat from the meat of the Ahlul Kitab. Right? That which is slaughtered correctly by Jews and by Christians, then we're allowed to eat that anyway. Okay? So the author, in order to make the issue bigger than what it should be, he's saying that uh, uh, including those people who we cannot eat their meat, their slaughtered meat, such as, um, I don't know, humanists, atheists, agnostics, Sikh, Hindu um, you know, I don't know whatever, Buddhists and so on and so forth yeah? all those people whose meat that we are not allowed to eat they are included in this point what is that point? that it is permissible to use the dishes, the plates the implements of non-Muslims ok, of non-Muslims now, um, there are a number of evidences for this Okay, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he said, Surah Al-Baqarah verse 29, a verse that we've used a number of times and of course it's a very important verse in the Quran. It is he who has created everything for you in the earth to use. Okay, for you this this ayah is what we call a, a principle. And this is what we've been discussing many times now. Therefore, everything is permissible until Allah makes it forbidden or his prophet makes it forbidden. No one forbade this specifically, although there are a number of hadith. we need to look at them. So let's look at the hadith in this issue. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said generally it's allowed for us to eat uh, uh, from their, 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 um, their food. Now I want you to know that the focus, of course, is on meat. The focus is on meat. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us the, the meat of the Jews and the Christians, then by extension, there's no discussion concerning their bread and their biscuits and their cakes or whatever else. Okay? The point is, is that it's, a, it's surrounding meat. Once you've covered that, then you've obviously covered everything else as well. But specifically speaking, we know that the Prophet sallallahu um, uh, uh he would he would be brought by his neighbors and by visitors and by guests some dishes. So in one incident we have narrated in Bukhari that a young Jewish boy bought the Prophet ﷺ in a plate, some bread and some clarified butter. So basically like a like a dip, basically bread and dip. And that's on a plate. And we also know that the Prophet sallallahu that's narrated in Bukhari. As you can see on, at the bottom of page 83, Sheikh says, uh, uh, the muhaqqik says, narrated by Bukhari in the Book of Medication. Um, and uh, the chapter, what chapter was this mentioned in? The chapter of what was mentioned concerning the poisoning of the Prophet sallallahu Okay, so... It's okay, you don't need to worry about that. So the, um, the issue with, uh, with respect to this is clear. Also the Prophet ﷺ also ate the uh, meat, the lamb from the Jewish, the Jewess, the Jewish lady who gave him what? Poisoned lamb. Very good. It was poisoned lamb that he was gifted at Khaibar and he ﷺ, ate, from, ate from that. Obviously he was poisoned as a result, but he didn't know they had poison. And, obviously, the the, the ruling that we're putting upon is his acceptance of the meat. And so that was done as well. And we also know that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that's also narrated in Bukhari. You know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You know the previous narration about the Jewish lad, that's narrated in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. The Musnad of Imam Ahmed. Um, And there's some discussion about that, but we're not going to go into that uh, now. And... um, yeah, the, another, the narration about the poisoned lamb Is narrated in Bukhari Apologies And then it's also established That the Prophet ﷺ He and his companions They made wudu From a, a lady A mushrika From the Quraysh So she's a, she was a You know A polytheist So like a, For all intents and purposes A Hindu for example Alright And they made wudu From her water skin Okay From her water skin um, So all of this what the Shaykh then, Shaykh Uthameen says, This all this indicates that whatever has been touched by a non-Muslim, then it is in principle pure. Okay? So the Shaykh says, what we're we going to do about this hadith then, which is narrated by uh, Abu Tha'la al khushani that the Messenger of Allah said that do not eat in the vessels of the non-Muslims, لَا Except if you don't find anything other than that and if, if, if so then wash them and then eat from them Okay, this hadith is narrated by Bukhari in the chapter of sacrifices and hunted animals so uh, Hadith number five thousand four hundred and eighty-eight again the Prophet ﷺ said, don't eat in the dishes of the non-Muslims, non-Muslims is implied Except if you are not able to find any other dishes Then, if, you, if so, then wash them and then use them Now, it's clear that this hadith would therefore indicate that one doesn't automatically go towards the uh, dishes of the non-Muslims Well, Shaykh Uthameen, he says that, well, there's no major problem here Actually, what this hadith indicates is that what, what's, what's best that one should do is to, to stay away from these dishes because they are probably going to be najas. Okay? But, but the Sheikh Uthameen says that many of the people of knowledge, they, could, they, they understood or they reinterpreted this hadith, okay, um, in the light of it is to be applied when you know that there are people who are eating a lot of haram meat. Or using a lot of haram meat, or are najas, or dirty by themselves intrinsically. Yeah, they get involved in lots of kind of stuff, whatever. And so therefore it's quite possible to to combine between the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ allowing this, and this Prophet ﷺ here saying, avoid them if you can. So I hope that that makes uh, sense. Now, I wanted to share some really nice um, uh, statements from Sheikh uh, Muhammad Bukhtar al on this issue, which I thought that you know he does a lot. Of, he does a good job summarizing all the issues in a nice kind of way. So what he starts off with, he says, "Listen." He goes, "When it comes to non-Muslims, he goes that their dishes will fall into a couple of uh, categories." Uh, let's find that here. Okay, so he goes, "As for the Muslims, then then their, their dishes will fall into a couple of categories. It doesn't matter who non-Muslims are, but they'll fall into a couple of categories." First of all, brand new dishes. If they're brand new, they're brand new. So you're going into a shop, you're going into, I don't know, whatever. Uh, uh, John Lewis, if you're Shazad. And uh, Longset Market, if you're the rest of us. yeah. Then, you know, they're just being brand new sold. Brand new, clean China. And that's the end of the story. There's no, there's no, there's no issue there. There's no um, a problem there. Uh, made of China, made of wood, made of whatever. Unless, of course, that it is being sold, made from a neges... <coughs> substance. You would say, what is just in these things? Well, you've got to understand that nowadays, not too much. But back in the day, uh, to use a water skin was very, very common. So, used like an animal which has not been uh, a hide or a leather, which has not been tanned, or is from a doubtful source, etc, etc. So, that's quite a possibility. Okay? But, obviously today, that's not the case. And then the second uh, scenario is that it is used dishes. Yeah? Used dishes. And... The point with the used dish is that we are expecting it to be dirty. Now, again, I want you to transport your mind back to those days. At that time, the idea of, you know, the way that we do washing dishes all the time, soap, hot water, dishwashing machines, again and again and again, drying them, this, that, whatever. This is the luxury life that we lead. That we lead. But in reality, back in the day, they had uh, very little water. They had very little water to drink and to make. Well, forget about washing dishes, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, a dishwash is a wipe of the, 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 wipe it with your hand or wipe it with some kind of cloth or something like that. I mean, even cloth, and I discussed it with you last week or week before, cloth was an absolute premium. You know, there are so many, subhanAllah, there's a hadith in Bukhari, which is like one of the most ajib hadith. In which this man, he came to Rasulullah and he literally had nothing except a, a one cloth that he would use to put around him and he would also use it to sleep on and he would also use it to eat on. He had to cut. He had to keep cutting it, reducing the size. It was just one cloth. You know? And he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I need some help. And the principles in Bukhari, the full narration is in many uh, a, a hadith, And I've translated it in that book that we wrote, what was it called? Um it was an ebook like industry business or something like that. Or encouraging people to business or something like that. I forgot what it's called now. Uh, uh, encouraging people to work or halal money or I can't remember what it's called but anyway the point was is that what was very interesting is what the Prophet ﷺ told him to do he said I'm not going to just give you the easy way out rather I want you to go and, and, and start from this and start making a trade and so he went and he sold a little bit of this and he got two dirham then he went and got an axe with the other one one dirham then he started chopping and this and and he built up really slowly 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 whatever but I'm just saying that's the norm Okay, that was the norm so all this idea of washing So you may be thinking how? no way is a non-Muslim and even Sheikh Muhammad Akbar says that I mean today when a, a, if a non-Muslim brings you food that plate is going to be cleaner than your plate at home
0: <laughs>
1: you know what I'm saying please just put it through I mean we're going to be using uh, uh, Sainsbury's uh, cheap dishwasher washer powder Unless you're someone like Shazad, you're buying that finished stuff from John Lewis or whatever, yeah? <laughs> like the proper expensive stuff that gives you shine and glaze and all that kind of baqas, yeah? That's the that, money we were in uh, Tesco's the other day. Like, you, you know, I was in Tesco the other day and I went for my normal cheap stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm a basic kind of guy, me, yeah? But Shazad, he goes, yeah, look at this one. This one's on buy one, get one free. I had to look at it, he said, finish. I go, me? You buy finish? <laughs> I felt like, yeah, I didn't want to touch it yet. And I felt. I'm feeling really like, you know, and I picked it up and I saw the price and I thought, oh my God, it's true. But I won't get one free work that cheaper than the Tesco's one. But it didn't feel right, you know what I'm saying? Even now, when my dish is coming out super clean, I think, I'm not befitting of this dish. This is the kind of thing I can see in Shazad's house, you know? It doesn't fit my surroundings. So, <laughs> non-Muslim, obviously, they don't care about that. They care very much about their dishes. Also, also, forget non-Muslims, just the issue of guests and giving food. You're not going to give a food. You're not going to give a food on a plate which is dirty, okay? And so, what the sheikh is basically saying is that the issue really is about is about the uh, nature of the dish, the cleanliness of the dish, and even the hadith. Even the hadith which we're using against this principle, so I just mentioned three that support the Prophet sallallahu eating in these dishes, and one hadith which suggests the Prophet ﷺ said that don't use them, right? Even in the one where he said don't use them, he goes avoid it if possible, but if not, when you get it, just, watch, or just wash it and use it. So it wasn't even, there's not haram uh, mentioning in the hadith, what he's basically saying is that don't use it, brackets, it's probably going to be dirty. And if you can't find something else, brackets, then when it does come, then wash it, it's no problem. So their illah, their is the presence of Najasa. Okay, everybody? So once the Najasa is not there, we don't have any problems, Inshallah um, what would we want to now cover uh, now? I think that's pretty clear to be honest. Yep. Yeah. Any, any, any questions on that? Okay, good. So next then, is then their clothes. That's too far away. You want to ask questions, you've got to sit where you normally sit. You're going to shout across all the way over there. Right. Uh, it is also lawful to use their clothing, clothing even if the clothing is not known to be filthy. Even if the clothing is not known to be filthy. Basically, again, we have a similar situation, right? The idea that either the clothing is going to be filthy that you can see, and it's obviously filthy, or it's filthy in that you're not you're not, you're sure and there's a possibility of it being filthy. What do you think the principle would be with respect to uh, um, the Muslims? Or what do you think that the author himself is trying to say? What do you think? What do you think that the author understands clothes of non-Muslims? Obviously, again, clothes of non-Muslims are two types. Either it's pure, brand new, it's not used and it's obviously fine. Or it's used clothing. Again, you've got to go back to their mindset. That's the kind of thing that would happen. Clothes would be gifted around a lot. It would not be washed each time. It would be used. Hey, can I have that? Or let me give you this. And it would just be passed over. And once it's passed over, no one's washing it then. Unless it's like, you know, a big... Uh, an opportunity or you've got some water through or you know i say it's not so straightforward to just go ahead and do that so anyway the principle is just common sense again if you are if you can see that it is not well that's the end of the story all right it's not permissible to put on najis clothing there is no issue intrinsically in the clothing coming from non-muslims the issue again is in the impurity that could be on the cloth so if it is impure it can't be used and if there is some impurity on it then it can be cleaned and it's still no problem. And if you are given a clothes, if you you are given clothes, and this principle can also apply to dishes, where you do not know whether it has been washed or not or whatever, you look at the people. And if the people are people who are known for looking after themselves and keeping clean and not getting involved in nonsense and mess, then the asal is that it is, the basic status quo is that it is Pure. Okay? And that's always across the board. Everything is pure until proven otherwise. Now, the only time that wouldn't apply is, you know, if it's coming from someone's house where you know it's all kind of, you know, it's all a mess inside, it's all a bit of gangster and, you know, all kinds of stuff is going on. And then, you know, there's a big likelihood that it's, you know, it's got, I don't know, pig blood on it or something. I don't know. I've got no idea. I tell you, like I said, I told you why, why I find this funny. Why I find this funny is that, obviously, um, the most people, I mean, I don't know, some of you have non Muslim neighbors and you get some plates across and I guess you you, 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 you have this. And what you've learned practically is that when your non Muslim sends a plate across, don't worry about it. End of story. Unless it's got, you know, like a, it's a plate of bacon and eggs or something. Yeah, then, then obviously there's something to worry about. Yeah, things are, things are not very clear in between you guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you something. Never assume, honestly, never assume from non Muslims. Man of times that I'd be in. Um, you know Shopping Or back in the day When I used to be in retail And this and that Whatever And people would come up And say So are you Jewish then me, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly Why I like that Beard, though, Whatever, what not So are you Jewish Yeah What's that Allah Anyway So uh, What was I saying uh, So yeah When this comes across, You've got nothing to worry about And the, I guess the, the, the time that this is uh, 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 People are exposed to this issue Is in canteens uh, where obviously mass non muslims mass non Muslim meat and all the rest of it, but likewise the cleansing that goes on there is also mass, and so you should generally just uh, you know accept that they boil that kind of stuff to a mega kind of temperature and The irony is is that obviously a dishwasher it is washing the dishes at a temperature that the hands can 't handle right, even in gloves and all the rest of it, so theoretically it 's doing a better job than Actually, washing it yourself. And the funny thing is, is that I, t- I told you guys last time that my dad, right? Um, he said, I don't care if, it, if I don't care if it's hot as hellfire in that dishwasher. He goes, when our neighbor used Hindu, Hindu skin used to send any even even if <laughs> even if the plate had fruit on it, right? Mm-hmm. He would say, send it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when my mom I mean, she, she was my mom's real really good friend. What was her name? Vina, or something like that. Vina. We're talking at least 30 years now. It's got to be 30 years I'm talking about. And I can see her micro now. I can see her house right opposite. And she'd come over, Miskeena. She was such a nice lady. I think her name was Vina, I think. All right. And she, she, she would bring some kind of fruit over or some. Uh, she, you know, the, the, the crazy thing she's vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> That's the irony of it. Right? That's the irony. She's vegetarian, Miskin. They don't allow any meat into the house, right? And she would bring some kind of vegetarian cake or something like that. And then my dad would say, Is that from Veena? And then my mom would say, Yeah. And, and he goes, He goes, Hindu. Like that, right? He goes, We're not touching it. We're not touching it. I say, You dad, you don't touch it. Me, my brother, used to smack it down. Well, me, mum my brother sister's little girl then, to be honest but yeah so there are some people that they've got that nafrat in their minds you know and if you and, and obviously this point is meant to be trying to ilm uh, is meant to be trying to reach, get rid of nafrat isn't it yeah what's nafrat by the way no no I hate this I hate is not the word then I've I've, I've I've got the wrong word then I was struggling with this word I was in Ireland teaching last weekend and I couldn't huh no gosh no you know how much I struggle? I need some online help here because I know you are going to fail me again. Right? I was trying to describe the word in English. No, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to find the word in English and for some reason I only had the pukhto word in my mind. The pukhto word is Kraka. Is that pukhto? It's, it? it's gone. Krakah. And I can't for the... La- and I thought that nafrat is the Urdu translation for that. But when you guys say, start saying hate, then it's not hate at all. You know when you start to become squeamish? Squeamish about something? No? I was describing to the island crowd about the, uh, the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ forbade people from doing this, okay? Rolling up their uh, sleeves and tying up their hair and rolling up their trousers, or whatever, just before prayer, and uh, because of the reason of, you know, I don't want to get him dirty, yeah? And i said that these kind of people, they, you know, when they go for Sajda, they might, you know, if the floor was dirty, they'd go and Sajda with their fingers, they wouldn't put their hands <laughs> down, you know? Yeah? So in England, in Poghutu, we say that that he is like, Repulsion? not repulsion it's a soft word man disdain disgust. not disdain mm-hmm. not disgust It's not, you're, you're, you're worried about you're worried about getting dirty on the floor and you feel kind of squeamish and you're worried about that kind of dirt it's, because, it's like a little bit gay kind of you know what I'm saying Huh? <laughs> like you know Huh? like that you know or you look at a plate and you think Ugh.
0: it's
1: a bit gayish kind of behavior, you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know English word no OCD not OCD
0: yeah
1: huh Uh? reluctance yeah reluctance but I said squeamish reluctance but there's a bit more than reluctance there's a scared kind of reluctance
0: scared
1: huh finicky finicky nah squeamish it gets gayish you know what I mean (laughs) anyway the point is is that there are some people that have a like like you know Makes them feel sick yeah, I need To look at that Plate Even though it's so clean And that's wrong From a sharia point of view I mean at a personal level you are, You're free to do what you want But don't be saying This is you know I'm doing something Muslim Or you know Because Allah tells me Or something like that You know what I'm saying Yeah Okay then good um, So that explains that So as long as their clothing Is not known to be filthy Then the asal is that it's pure Are we happy with that folks Yeah Are we good So can we move on to next then This new subsection then Which is uh, very exciting Uh, Prude Yeah, prude would kind of um, Fit, yeah, prude would be Somewhere there, but Krakah is the best Kraka, what a word Right, alright then So in the middle of page 85, then the Sheikh then uh, Starts, actually let's read the Arabic text On page 5 Okay, that's the statement on page 5 Tanning does not Ritually purify skins of unslaughtered animals, carrion, okay, (laughs) unslaughtered animals, let me remind you again what unslaughtered animals is, it's carrion, carrion is dead meat, so you're walking along in a forest, you uh, come across a a, uh, a buffalo, yeah, buffalo, and it's got just absolutely great skin, obviously, and you could sell that for, you know, a, a, a nice... A nice number on the market right so that's the issue now the the reality is i mean we're gonna we're gonna discuss this next week okay so we can't go past that because and i have even i have this criticism you would have thought that first the author would classify would classify the animals first before talking about the process but actually he started talking about the process first And then he's going to classify the animals next week Or he classifies the animals in a couple of sentences down What do I mean by that? We've got different types of animals, don't we? We have those which are halal To eat And then they're slaughtered And then we have anything Which is slaughtered And then we have haram meat Which is found dead And then we have halal meat Which is found dead Yes? So for example I have sheep a sheep's not a good example. I have a buffalo. And it's alive. And then we do dhabah. We sacrifice the animal. We slaughter the animal, sorry. We slaughter the buffalo. And then we will use, then, this halal meat, halal skin, halal everything. We then go and use that skin however we want. Whether hair, the this, the that, and everything. Now there was be um, a pig. Now a pig you can't slaughter. It's haram whatever you do to it. And if you find it dead as well, and then its skin is then used. That's a whole different category. Right? And then you've got this category which is just automatically mentioned. That's why I said you didn't categorize them. Um, but this category is what? Meat which is halal when you slaughter it, but it's been found dead. Okay? So this is your buffalo, your sheep, your camel, your cow, and so on. All right, Animals which are permissible to eat when they are slaughtered. In this scenario, the sheikh is now talking about what can we do with these carrion, these unslaughtered animals that we find. What can we, do with, what, what can we do with the skin? Let's talk about tanning first. Sheikh says it is the cleansing of the skin from filth and harm. Okay, from filth and harm. Um, and the sheikh says that if you uh, the, the, the Sheikh Amin is saying that the author is stating that if you tan tan the skin of unslaughtered dead animal, al-Maita, carrion, it will not purify it. It will not purify it. So we need to ask a question: Does actually the skin of a dead animal become impure? Does the skin of a dead animal, carrion, actually become impure? Then Sheikh says, if the dead animal is a pure animal, then its skin is pure. And if it was a filthy animal, then its skin is filthy. And he gives an example. He says, an example is an example of a pure carrion. Because you might be thinking, how can you have pure carrion? He goes, pure carrion would be, anyone? A fish. Excellent. A fish. So a fish, it is alive to, 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 you know, when it's alive in the sea, it's fine. And even if it's dead in the sea, it is fine. And it is allowed. So it is technically car- carrion. Okay? Because it's dead. But because they don't slaughter fish, this is an exception obviously. And that's why it is a pure carrion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah that he has أُحِل لَكُمْ Bahri wa وَطُعَامُ that he has uh, made permissible for you, the game of the sea and its food. Okay? And, um, uh, uh, Abdullah ibn, that's the Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 96. And then, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma he said, That the, with respect to the sea, its game, or that which is hunted, is that which is caught, whilst it's alive, like a crab, or a lobster, or like, a shark, not shark, but uh I don't know, whatever, I don't know, okay? And its food is that which is caught whilst it's dead. Which is very interesting, very interesting. This is Abdullah ibn Abbas's like tafsir. This is narrated by Imam Ibn Jarir, who? Ibn Jarir? Atabari, okay? The number one mufassir from the early, early times. The one who is, uh, 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 the one who wrote the famous tafsir, the one who wrote the famous history book, Tariq Al-Tabari and he is also like he is very very dependent upon Hadith and Athar is a very authoritative Ibn Kathir basically is the pop- populist public version uh, of Tafsir Al-Tabari Okay, so Imam tabari he mentions that in his tafsir, and also Ibn Abi Hatim mentions this in his tafsir. Why is Abdullah ibn Abbas making this statement? Because he's trying to explain this ayah. So al ma'idah, if we translate it again. Lakum bahri wa Allah has made permissible for you, the game of the sea and its food. If you read that first time, you'd say it's the same thing, the game and the food is the same thing. And that's why Abdullah bin Abbas is to step in and say, hold on, the slave, the game, is that which you catch alive, and the food is that which you catch which is dead. Which of course is what happens all the time, we're eating fish like that day and night. Okay? Um, and, and then he goes, as for that, which is, أَمَّا um, مَا then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stated that. Allah has stated in the Qur'an that anything which dies by itself, it becomes najis impure and he uh and he mentions of course the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, in surah al-an'am kull ajduma kull ajduma fi uhiya ilaihi muharrama ala ta'am yadhamuhu illa an yakuna maytatan aw dama masfuha aw lahma khinzirin fa'innahu rits okay Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says o prophet say in all that has been revealed to me I find nothing forbidden for people to eat except for carrion and flowing blood and pig's meat it's filth or loathsome rijs and what Shaykh Uthaymeen says is that rijs itself is najas rijs itself is najas this is Surah, Surah Al-Alham verse 145 and the Shaykh says that the Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala has in this ayah and many times when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala makes something haram he doesn't give the reason. He doesn't have to give the reason. But sometimes he does. And Sheikh Uthameen says he did here. عَلَّ لَذَلَكْ بِقَوْلِهِ رِجْسٌ And That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has actually said that the reason they have become haram is because they are rijus and rijs is itself najis. al فِي أَنَّ الْمَيْتَةَ al الْمَيْتَةُ So therefore carrion itself is impure, it's skin, it's imp- impure as well. But then what about if we tan it? What if we tan it? Now folks, you need to know what tanning is. Again, back in the day, animals were big. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again when you read An'am, When you read uh, Surah Al-Juzah Ammah and you read all these verses about the animals and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you uh, over them and they give you this and they give you that. It's because the people were really living that. We just go to a shop and buy a coat. We don't feel it or see it. They would go out and they would see a sheep or they would see a buffalo and they'd see so much more than what we think. They just see opportunity. They see uh, everything. So like for example, obviously the skin. Yes, and they can make so much from the skin. Uh, clothes, mattresses, luggage, bags, um, uh, anything that you can think tough, tough quality leather, all the food, of course, the fat and the grease would be used for lighting, for candles, and the rest of it, the, um, the uh, hair would be used, the fur would be used for, you know, clothing and warmth, the uh, tendons, the asop, the sinews, these were used in a... In, 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 were very useful. Uh, even nowadays, I was, I was looking on Wikipedia and they said the Inuit people who are the... Um, those who, like, in the northern, northern parts of Canada, Alaska, you know, like, really, really basic people. Uh, what, the, what, the, the, what, what Wikipedia was saying is that um, because, ecologically speaking, they have very little access to thread and material, naturally growing material, to act as thread... Um, they use sinews, tendons, from an animal in, that, in, the, in, in place of that. And it's, it's, it's far, far better, right? So, they obviously, they're going through all these animals, and they're a lot of fat, they're using all the fat as well, as you know, as Eskimos and Inuit people do. And when you look at that uh, a thread, it's very, very strong. It has elastic properties, and they also said it has glue, material, glue uh, properties. And also, they said it doesn't need to be knotted together, because when it's wet... It expands, but when it dries, it then reduces in size, so it can tight, it can tighten around things. So that's why the that's why there's a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to explain what's the ruling. Is it allowed to therefore do tanning? And can we tan a carrion, unslaughtered meat? Can we tan it? Well, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In the hadith of Maymuna عنها, That the Prophet sallallahu Passed by a um, A sheep that they were dragging um, And uh, uh, Like it was like all messed up Like you know it was dead And it was like all dirty and everything And the Prophet sallallahu said oh, Man if you uh, what, it, would been, it would have been nice If you use it's skin It's ihab It's rawhide raw hide. Ihab is like untreated skin. Yep. And they said they said they said قالوا, It's carrion ya Rasulullah. It's dead meat. We didn't slaughter it. So the Prophet ﷺ said That it is purified by water and karav. Now this hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed and by Abu Dawood and by An Nasa'i and um, Imam al we said that it was also narrated by Abu Dawud and nasai but with two good chains, with two good isnads, and also narrated by Imam Al-Bayhaqi and um, Imam Ibn Hajar He said that it was authenticated by Ibn Asakir and Al-Hakim, and so there is some discussion about this hadith, but inshallah, it is authentic. Okay. So now we need to understand what the Prophet means mean by that—that that it is purified by water and qarad. Qarad. I looked up in the dictionary because I never heard this word in my entire life, and uh, they said it's warakselam, salam or thamar other I said, well, what that?" So I now have to look up new words, and so I find out that it's acacia, acacia bark. Now acacia is a type of tree. Then I remembered while I was reading on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, um, when they were talking about the tanning process, so now let me give you a quick rundown of tanning. So you have an animal, okay and they slaughter the animal and they get rid of the skin okay and then you've got the meat the meat goes off yes then the skin is taken when you have this like buffalo skin all right it's in a real mess state so very quickly it can be given a, pr- a preliminary cl- a cleansing so it's scraped inside inside so all the sinews the tendons, all that kind of mess, blood flesh is all taken off and then it's then washed in water and made soft and soft and then certain things are added to it like salt and sodium hydroxide and this and that to make the hair follicles weak so that it can be easily scraped off so then it's taken out it's stretched and then it's scraped and then you've got this four or five kind of stage process they call it soaking baiting cracking xyz whatever where they're basically they're really stretching it and scraping it stretching it and scraping it stretching it and scraping it and so at the end you basically have some good skin, okay, and it's called hide. effectively at this stage, alright, and basically all skin goes through this process. Then a decision is made to go and tan it, and most people do, and the tanning of that skin is basically putting chemicals uh, into this skin that will make it now long life, higher quality, um... And give it uh, water resistant properties and all the classic things that we associate with high quality leather. You know, in a leather sofa or in a leather jacket, all that longe- longevity and all that kind of quality behavior. How do they do that? They will then soak it again with lots of salt and then take the salt out and whatever. And then they infuse uh, in two ways either naturally tan it or they will chemically tan it. If they naturally tan it, they use tannins. And tannins, Is a naturally occurring substance which is found in German oak trees. Is what was mentioned on Wikipedia. Now I have therefore learned from that that it can't, it mustn't, it mustn't just be oak trees because the qadar here, according to Hans, where he said the qadar is the acacia tree. I didn't have time to look at the. I have another dictionary which has Arabic words which show the actual tree itself as well. So that would give us a better idea, but I didn't have the time. But I'm guessing that because tannins is a natural synthetic, a natural organic compound, it probably exists in most types of trees. And that tannin is a chemical of some kind of nature, which then when added to the water and the process of this tanning, and is beaten and soaked and beaten and soaked, that's when you get this final nice supreme quality piece of leather. If you do it chemically, then you use chromium oxide. And apparently that's like the best thing possible And it speeds it up, etc, etc, etc So this is the tanning procedure And so basically uh, Pretty much all of the leather that we have in, in our consumerist kind of lifestyle Whether it's clothes, handbags And everything, all the rest of it It has been tanned Because raw hide would not be acceptable To a paying western population So all of it has been tanned So now knowing that The Prophet ﷺ in this hadith He allowed them to, to do that um, the the uh, opposing side Who don't allow tanning They mentioned a hadith A hadith they said They first of all said This hadith of Maimuna, It is abrogated Abrogated Everyone know what abrogated means? Abrogate, abrogation Abrogation is a principle in <coughs> Islam Which is important for the Quran and for the Sunnah Abrogation means that you have one hadith that comes And then Another hadith comes after it, and so therefore the ruling of the second one supersedes the first one. It abrogates the first one. So the second one is the abrogator, and the old one becomes the abrogated. The whole principle is called abrogation. The one that abrogates, the one that comes later, is called the nasikh, and the one which is abrogated, which has now been cancelled, is called the mansukh The most famous uh, 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 abrogation that we know, or every Muslim knows, is the abrogation in the Quran with respect to alcohol. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that um uh, do not come to the prayer whilst you are drunk until you know until you know that what you say i.e. as long as you know what you say then pray and then at the other times drink. That's in the Quran and that's what it means. But this verse is abrogated. It's still there, the recitation is still there for us to read. But the ruling, the Hukam and Yulenis in the Quran, the ruling of the verse has been abrogated because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Says, and will you not abstain now completely in Surah Ma'ida? And that obviously uh, Sealed the deal completely haram to drink alcohol. So that's a classic use of the abrogating verse in Ma'idah, abrogating the verse in Nisa. So likewise here, uh, some other scholars said that this hadith of Maymuna, where the Prophet said, "No, no, tan it basically with the with the tannins and water." This has been ab- this is has been abrogated by which hadith? By the hadith narrated by Abdullah Ibn Urqaim, narrated by Abdullah Ibn Urqaim, who said that the Prophet he wrote to us min al Do not benefit, do not go and try to benefit from dead meat, from unslaughtered meat, from carrier. ihabin asad, Neither from its raw hide, neither from its tendons. Like neither, not in any way. Don't even bother. And in the narration which is narrated by Imam Ahmed and Abu Dawood, he said, and this was written to me one month before he passed away. Now, the reason, of course, that's significant is because it shows a dateline. And it would indicate that that would be the latent report. And therefore, it's abrogating the previous one. So, one month before he passed away. Therefore, therefore, that is why the scholars differed. That's why the scholars differed. And I can tell you from memory that because of these ahadith and so on, all of the madhahib allowed tanning. To purify carrion, except the humbly madhab, and that's what you're reading now. Okay, the hanbali madhab is clear, isn't it? What did it say about tanning carrion? Not allowed. And it is the only madhab out of the four that says it is not allowed. But the three other madhab and the majority of scholars and sheik With own position is that it is it is allowed and it does purify that skin. Why does it purify that skin when this hadith itself has said? That you know uh, it's uh, uh, looking like an abrogated hadith. Two reasons. The first reason, and you can see the big detailed discussion of this in the footnote, um, uh, which is numbered number one. Um, the main reason is number one. There's two reasons. Number one, the hadith is weak. The hadith is weak, and it cannot be used as an evidence. There is a stunning uh, illa. There's a stunning fault in this hadith, and that is that Abdullah ibn Urkain, who narrates this hadith, he's not even sahaba. Okay, so therefore him narrating from the Prophet means there's a Sahaba missing, therefore there's a break in the chain. So Abdullah ibn Uqayyim is not a uh, Sahabi and a number of the Muhadithin emphasize that. There were a few that said no he is. There were a few that said no he is, but this is the strongest opinion. So this hadith is weak, so it can't be used in evidence, number one. Number two, it's just a common sense argument, let's assume that the hadith is authentic okay there is no evidence that the hadith of Maymunah isn't two weeks before the Prophet passed away do you understand the point yeah you are saying yes that first one that second hadith was one month before he passed away well okay then if you're gonna bust lines like that well the hadith of Maymunah happened three days before he passed away so you can't just make a claim like that without proof you have to have a timeline and that's why just as a, as a closing benefit you know Ahl sunnah Ahl sunnah meaning oh I should say sorry sorry Ahlul hadith from Ahlul sunnah the people who are really focused upon Hadith and you know they've got some good strict principles when it comes to understanding uh, uh, deriving had, uh, 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 evidences they are loath to go to abrogation they don't like abrogation is any Ibn Taymiyyah who said there's no abrogation in Qur'an did Ibn Taymiyyah say that? Yeah, I'm just saying that there are some scholars that really dislike the concept of abrogation. And they want to try and avoid using it as an excuse whenever possible. So they try to avoid it all the time. So keeping in that, in that way, I just want to say to you that um, the, one of the reasons why Ahl hadith don't like to play that game is because it's very difficult to conclusively prove your point by just throwing the abrogation cra- uh, card. Can you imagine if you depend so much on abrogation, you can go around and claim everything is abrogated. Right? You could could claim. If you're just going to say, no, that's abrogated, that's abrogated. Because we don't have exact 333 on the 17th of March and in the year 1400 and whatever. We don't have those dates for all of these hadith. And so when you don't have exact dates for both narrations, then you can't claim the abrogation card so easily. So, so, in any case, um... And also Shaykh Uthameen mentioned the third point. He goes, you know what, even if we don't bother, even if we said the hadith is authentic, and even if we said that it abrogates, actually there's no contradiction between the two anyway. I can combine them. And this again is the word of Ahlul Hadith. Always trying to reconcile hadith. Not trying to write one off with the other. Why don't we try and reconcile them? So he said that the Prophet ﷺ, when he said that don't benefit from its Ihab and its Asab, he said that Ahlul Lughah, The people of language, when you mention the word ihab, this is referring to raw hide. As I just explained to you, raw hide is skin or hide which has might have been soaked a bit here and there, but has not been tanned, not gone through the full intensive process of tanning. So therefore what the Prophet said is not don't benefit from its tanned skin, rather we should translate the hadith as don't benefit from raw hide and raw tendons in its early kind of stage so this is his um, this is his uh, ruling and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best so we will um, we will uh, yeah that finishes that that point isn't it yeah that finishes that I think that's a good place to stop I don't have a pen uh, uh, Bob's, but we're now in the middle of page 89 okay we're in the middle of page 89 Uh, uh, we're going to start the page 6 and you, just, you need to know that obviously we're going to now start talking next week about the rest of the things because in a dead animal, when you kill this, when this dead animal is found, it's of different layers, isn't it? If you think of it, this dead animal is in, inside the skin is meat. Yes? Can that be made permissible? No. Nothing can make it permissible. It's haram. And then it's got this impure skin on it, which we then take and we make permissible by tanning. And then you've got on top of that skin, you've got fur and hair and that's permissible as we're going to find out next week so it's, it's interesting that animals need to be taken in layers as such with respect to rulings and Allah knows best yeah let's take a few questions online yeah, you're abusing these people online guess me I, I didn't see any questions they asked so many questions that went on the other day I said no one asked me any questions we can't see all of them yes uh, Zafar uh, no. uh, just a quick question on the birds. so we said the filters is obvious. Yes. So so Zephyr is asking with respect to clothes. He said that if the filth is obvious, if it's clearly on the the clothes, then obviously we avoid the clothes. if it's not obvious, you look at the people. Correct. If it's not obvious, then we look at the people. Now based on our general principle, that uh, certainty removes doubt, and doubt doesn't remove certainty. what we have certainty in is that they're non-Muslims. Therefore, they don't have the same principles of cleanliness as we do, and then when they giving their clothes to us or we receive clothes from them, we can be certain that they're not Muslims. They haven't applied the principles of cleanliness to those clothes, so we can be certain to, a, to an extent that there's going to be some form of negligence on those clothes. Okay, so what, what uh, Zafar is saying is that with non-Muslims, as we know, and the way that they look after themselves, and uh, you know, the kind of you know, their personal Habits and so on and so forth. Then we can be pretty sure that using the principle of certainty uh, over doubt all the time, that at least one thing we're certain of is that they are are, are impure. The question would be: Is that is that certainty? It's not certainty. I'm
0: certain that they're non-Muslims.
1: You are certain that they're non-Muslims. I'm certain every time that I go into a non-Muslim house, it smells better than mine. Okay. (laughs) All I smell in mine is, you know, gosh, then. And God knows what, whatever. Stinks, the yeah, whatever. Any pack house you walk into, it's mm-hmm. whatever. It's just a disaster. No one knew, no one knew, no one knew, no one knew about air freshener or anything. You go into their house clean, be clean, clothes clean. I mean, you know, I don't think it's certain. I mean, jokes aside, certain is a big word. Okay? And if you're talking about used, used in that old school kind of use meaning they just part, they take it off their their you know thinking take it off their bottoms and pass it on to you I'm with you but there's no that, that that doesn't exist as a principle anymore and that's why I said that you need to be able to translate the issue to modern time modern time we are now in such a it would make complete common sense it would wouldn't it yeah that when you're donating clothes to charity and to um food, uh, uh, clothes, banks, and all the rest of it, okay, that you just put it in, because they're going to wash it, yeah? Now, this is the ironic thing. Think about this, yeah? The ironic thing is that the clothes companies, to avoid prosecution, I'm guessing here, but this is what I seem to remember, right? Clothes companies, or the charity, rather, I should say, or the agent that's working on behalf of the charity, to avoid prosecution, they would mass wash everything that comes in in some massive kickoff, whatever. I don't know. So, that's going to happen. And then when it gets to the end user, whether that's a, a starving person in Africa, or whether that's a, a middle class person buying it in a charity shop, so the money gets sent, when they buy that item, okay, it doesn't matter if it comes from charity, they go and wash it when they uh, uh, go home. They wash it as well. And nowadays, we've now reached a stage in our culture... Where the guy in the skin who's donating his clothes, he washes it as well. That thing is the most washed clothes in human history. It's washed at least three times. And if we add, if we add Oxfam, I don't know what their policies are, but when they take that clothes from the big agent working on behalf of the charity to sell in their shop, maybe they even have a policy to avoid prosecution, that they wash it as well. I don't know. So what I'm saying is that, yes, in principle, if you know, that a cloth is used and it's, you know, uh, 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 coming from the Muslims and it's not been washed and whatever, then yes, there's a problem. But nowadays, I'm like
0: that.
1: questions about uh, thick, thick skin. Next uh, week. Thick skin next week. And Can we accept the food, uh, the food, the vegetarian food or sweet during fesh- festivals of Kufar? Yeah, no problem, inshallah. Just share, that's all. Question is, is that are we allowed to accept the gifts that are given at uh, festivals of Kufar? He mentions vegetarian, but I've got no idea why he just doesn't say that he got Easter eggs from his neighbor. <laughs> just say it, Shazela. Really I was given four yesterday, and we took all four, didn't we, son? <laughs> Happily. <Huh? laughs> for, uh, four Easter eggs. They were big was not it? Flake? Marty's. Mars, Smarties. Kit Kat. And I, 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 I didn't taste a single one, Qasmeh, can you believe that? Is that in It's not Bob's. Bob's Qasmeh feel like Kansas tonight, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, so <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm so yeah. Yeah, Go on. I th- I it. Answer the questions, Yara. That's it. Okay, everyone happy? Everyone done? So, okay, one more question. You see this so, guy missing so, about?
0: Four, a bell.
1: On page four, is there a reason <laughs> Why slaughtered? Oh, right. You mean, what about if there were a people who would have unslaughtered meat? Would well, that'd be carrion, anyway, wouldn't it? Queasy. queasy. Yeah, queasy. Squeamish. Not queasy. Because que- que- You see the problem with queasy. You see, this is why I love language. If you think about it, what's the problem with queasy? Queasy is an involuntary action. You know, if you see something and it makes you sick, your stomach feels queasy. I'm talking about an intentional thing which is brought about by you. There's nothing wrong with the floor. And it's not like when you walk around the floor, you, you look at it, and it makes you sick. But when you think that, I'm now going to prostrate on it and my clothes are going to get dirty. Uh, you say, gay, trust me, gay is the best word. <laughs> there is no other You can think all night. You know, I've been thinking for the last five days. I told this on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's now five days. I flew on planes and back and forth all this time I'm thinking, what was the right word of kraka? If there's a patan online, find the flipping word kraka and put it up like online or Twitter or something. But it is, it is, it's not going to be found. I'm telling you, acting gay with the ground, acting gay with dirt, acting, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. like that. Take it in, yeah? I have nothing against gays, by the way, just because I know everything's been recorded. Yeah? Me and Gaze, you know, are not like that, right? <laughs> just before you thought I was going to say this like that. Huh? There's some standards there, bro. So, that's get That's me. All right then, lads. So, um, I think that's it, really. It was a good lesson today, mashallah. I enjoyed it. Check it out. It a bonus. Let's just go out first, please. If we stay seated for just one or two minutes. Quick, quick exit, please. There's no chatting, gossiping. Jazakumullah khair. Oh, oh, everybody, everybody, online, I'm still online. Everybody, listen. Listen, listen. Times. Obviously, everything changes next week, right? Okay? Um, and so... E- state, 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 state. Yeah, so let me explain to you. So April, April is, uh, uh, is... Basically, in the UK, we go forward an hour. Back? Yes, forward. Forward, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And therefore, next week, our Maghrib start time is like 7.45 on Wednesday. So, from now on, for the month of April... The dars will be between Maghrib and Isha. That will be the official time in the UK between Maghrib and Isha. So, for those who are uh, abroad, you're going to have to do your calculation. We will help you in that by sending out a timetable on email. In an Excel form that will give you your times for whatever international zone you are But for the month of April, the Dars will be between Maghrib and Isha That will basically range from roughly 7.45 next week And then over the month it's going to probably end up around half past 8 no, not, Something. It, it was thought about at the same time 4 Obviously, quarter to 8 is the Salah time Then 20 minutes after is when the Dars starts Yeah, That's how it's going to be So think of Maghrib time there starting 20 minutes afterwards wa zakallahu khaira wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh